live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman and Kirk Crosby live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the network's refused to use. No doubt starts now. This is the broadcast for November the 11th in the year of our Lord, 2019. This is our one of two in our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America as our guide. And absolutely, we're convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the Founding Fathers. One of the great peaceful restorative solutions we have at our fingertips. We reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live, syndicated by LovingLiberty.net, Liberty News Radio, and your favorite talk station or modern internet device. Welcome to the broadcast. Hope you had a delightful God, family, and country style weekend. Quick recap of a couple of stories. Thursday, or let's see, Friday's news. We didn't get a chance to recap recap our news on Saturday, by the way. We are six days a week, though, as you are hopefully aware. We talked about police not liable for destroying a home. USA Today, what a sham. What a sad tale to tell, folks. The government cut back by 17,000 jobs. I pray it's true, but can't find the pay dirt anywhere on it. I guess under uh, Mayor de Blasio's leadership in New York, I guess they're secretly sending their homeless population to other states. That's a dishonest sham or scam as well. Shame on the folks in New York. They ought to have a little bit more charity than that. Mike Pence blasts U.S. corporations for bowing to China, says they should bow to Washington instead. Uh, Sadly, Washington bows to China, don't they, Mike? Just saying. Kanye enters the culture war with Jesus is king and it's a rebellion. I don't like to look at it as a rebellion, but I agree Jesus is king. Google buys Fitbit. Acquiring users' health histories in the process, triggering a privacy backlash. That's a big, older story, but concern, isn't it? Microsoft bags a $10 billion Pentagon contract, I guess, for what they call this big war project. It's a Jedi war project. And uh, Amazon lost. Microsoft won. Judge tosses out Joe Arpaio's. $300 million defamation lawsuit against CNN or other media outlets. What's interesting about that is Joe Arpaio just turned around and filed a more refined, targeted lawsuit in his place. So time will tell how that goes. It'll probably get tossed out again, I hate to admit. I guess a robbery, double sex assault. It was a hoax. It was fake. It didn't even happen. Illegals perpetuated the crime. In an effort to dodge deportation, the police say. Rand Paul and Mike Lee endorse Arnold Mooney for Alabama Senate. Sad they're not endorsing endorsing, uh, Judge Roy Moore, but there you have it. I tried to call Arnold Mooney's uh, phone number for his uh, offices. He's a state legislator right now in Alabama, and you can't get a hold of the guy no matter how hard you try. One number's disconnected, and... Uh, the other, anyway, it's just bogus. Can't get a hold of anybody there. Parents share concerns for working families over Queensland's trial for three-year-olds to attend government school. That's a strange deal, isn't it? Nine out of ten households would lose if we actually had free college. A new study reveals the downside of Democratic 
efforts or plans to pay the university tab, if you will. Big Brother using social media to crush freedom. It's a worldwide analysis. Finds increasing abuse, manipulation of elections, monitoring of citizens. I'm just saying, wow. I guess new touchscreen voting machines list wrong candidates. They're not taking paper ballots in Philadelphia. Nevertheless, that was the second hour, believe it or not, on Thursday. No, on Friday's show. I mean, that's just one hour of news, folks, that we cover on Liberty Roundtable. Isn't it shocking how much news we cover? On the first hour of the show, we talked about the American people have eye-popping news for Mitt Romney and new poll results. May take the grin off his face. People don't really have a whole lot of love for Mitt Romney. Prince Charles is involved in a $134 million counterfeit art scandal. After seven years in a wheelchair, this is a great news piece, by the way. After seven years in a wheelchair, bride surprises groom by walking down the aisle. It was one of the greatest days of their life, and a man marries a woman. you got to dig that, and they're happy, and they're grateful to be together. I guess they make America great again wearing hat. Nationals player responds to leftist outrage and says, everybody makes everything political. I understand the point. Uh, I want you to know, though, that everybody doesn't think everything's political. Just your mainstream press that tries to divide us on political rhetoric, right? Most of us uh, can agree to disagree even if we don't agree on things, right? We can be kind, and it doesn't define us, does it? Black NBA players and Jewish Nobel winners. Where's the justice, writes Walter E. Williams as he applies reality to the disparities highlighted by the arguments. You know, hey, how come... You know, the Jewish folks get way more Pulitzer Prizes and everything else compared to their representation in the population. Same with NBA players. How come there's so many black football and basketball players way out of way, way out of proportion? How come? Is it racist? Good questions. Two women of color, two views about America. Star Parker writes the piece, contrasts Rashida Klaib or whatever, and Nikki Haley. Gun regulators, believe it or not, are making up their own laws, and it has to stop. Yeah. Mark Walters warns of two alphabet agencies overstepping their jurisdictions. The only news I got for Mark is it's not only two. Okay, I guess it said he highlighted two of them. There's a gazillion of them, isn't there, folks? The left, believe it or not, targets charitable nuns. Again, Jerry Newcomb quotes the founders to defend little sisters of the poor. Good for Jerry. What I want to see in November 2020, Barry Farber writes he hopes to see the largest landslide in history. I support that. Uh, But it's concerning of kind of the violent rhetoric Barry puts forward. Anyway, that's a recap of the broadcast that took place on Friday. Now, quickly moving to Saturday, because we had an incredible show on Saturday. We had on several guests. One of them was Judy Frazier, and she's president and founder of a group called We The Kids, wethekids.us to learn more. And we talked about We The Kids focuses on getting hooked on history. We also had another guest with Judy called Lydia Nuttle, or named Lydia Nuttle. She's the author of Forgotten American Stories, 
ForgottenAmericanStories.com to learn more. What's the story behind the stories? We also had another guest, Steve Gronka, founder of Advance America and Sequest Kids, SequestKids.com. And uh, he has this group called the Little League of Boating and We the Kids.us Building Bridges Through Education. Tremendous guests, tremendous two hour broadcast. Uh, we also talked about the Lydia Nuttle is the host of the We the Kids radio program on Fox Radio in Pennsylvania. They're working on a podcast and more. We also had another guest, Colonel John Eidsmo was with us. He's with the Foundation for Moral Law, works with Judge Roy Moore. We are working on making 52 videos of Billy Eagle and the Colonel. And they're all helping children understand the Constitution. They're just doing so many projects over there. It was a two-hour highlight of what we, the kids, are doing. We also highlighted Peter Robine, Teach Our Christian Heritage and Drums of Freedom. And uh, Peter's been an entrepreneur for 35-plus years, and he's the founder of History Strips and the Drums of Freedom. And we're all trying to bring the Constitution and American history back to life for our children. And in doing so, we hope to make that happen for parents uh, as well. Tremendous broadcasts on Friday and Saturday, not because of me, but because of the incredible guests that join us on the roundtable. Just amazing. And speaking of incredible guests that join us on the roundtable, Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org, is in the mix. Welcome back, my friend. Hope you had a delightful weekend. Come on, good to be with you. Man, we cover a lot of news, buddy. I'm telling you right now. All right. Happy Veterans Day. Now, some of them call them uh, Armistice Day. Uh, but I just read an email from a buddy of mine. I won't mention his name because he probably doesn't want to be mentioned. Um, but he says that, you know what, we shouldn't be really saying Happy Veterans Day. I mean, it's not a happy day to celebrate those who sacrificed so much for us. It is appropriate, though, we probably should say, maybe we could say something like this, have a reverent Veterans Day, or maybe a grateful Veterans Day would be much more appropriate than Happy Veterans Day, lol. Good point, Sam. It's not happy when uh, those who go to war are killed or, or they kill people. I mean, it's, it's a sobering day. And I, I think that uh, I I like the name of the day when it was originally named as Armistice Day because Armistice means truce, which is an agreement to end fighting. And uh, that's what we need more of nowadays. We need more armistices. So I really kind of wish this day was named Armistice Day yet. In other, in other words, I wish we hadn't changed the name to veterans, although, yes, we respect our veterans, but... I don't know. I like to highlight armistice because that means an end to the fighting, Sam. Yeah, and when you think about being grateful, grateful for the fighting that it took to defend our God-given unalienable rights, but then to end it. And it makes gratitude or appreciation or, what, reverence for the day much more meaningful. We'll talk about it as the broadcast unfolds. I'd invite Mr. Trump to stop whining and go try to make his case to get votes. The press 
has created a rigged system. They even want to try and rig the election. Well, I tell you what, it, it helps in Ohio that we got uh, Democrats in charge of the machines. And poisoned the mind of so many of our voters. At the polling booths, where so many cities are corrupt and voter fraud is all too common. And then they say, oh, there's no voter fraud in our country. I come from Chicago. So, so I want to be honest. It's not as if it's just Republicans who have monkeyed around with elections in the past. Sometimes Democrats have to. You know, whenever people are in power, they're, you know, they have this tendency to try to, you know, tilt things in their direction. There's no one. You start whining before the game's even over. Whenever things are going badly for you and, and you lose, you start blaming somebody else. Then you don't have what it takes to be in this job. Hi, I'm Patty, wife of former Congressman Steve Stockman. In Congress, Steve sought impeachment of Eric Holder for his corruption of the Justice Department and his fast and furious gun running that caused border agent Brian Talley's death. Steve called for arrest of Lois Lerner for her contempt of Congress as it investigated her targeting of conservative nonprofit groups. After four years, four grand juries, and millions of tax dollars, Steve Stockman is in prison. His case involved four checks to nonprofits. DOJ has one standard for Hillary Clinton, but another for folks like President Trump and my husband. We've spent all our savings, all Steve's retirement, and much of mine. Steve Stockman has fought for you and America. Won't you join me now to fight for Steve? To help, text FIGHT to 444-999. Text F-I-G-H-T to 444-999 or go to DefendAPatriot.com. DefendAPatriot.com. Armistice means truce, ladies and gentlemen, or an end to the fighting. And no doubt that would be a reason to celebrate. But we need to highlight this day with reverence and gratitude. That's for sure, Lowell. Well, Sam, you know, as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I am continually surprised and disappointed that so many of my faith support these ongoing, never-ending wars in which the U.S. is involved, like in Afghanistan and Syria. For example, you know, Jesus Christ taught us to love our enemies, and yet we seem intent on fabricating and then destroying our enemies. You know, when I think about the Revolutionary War, I think that was a just war because we were defending ourselves against the king who was imposing... Uh, the terms of tyranny upon us. And so, you know, we, we basically fought for our independence and, and, uh, won a war. There's, there are other examples of when, uh, a nation, you know, comes upon you and attacks you. Well, then, uh, you're probably justified in defending your land. And in those cases, then perhaps war is just. Maybe it can be defended. Maybe it's justifiable. But, you know, ever since you know, the last 50, 60, 70 years, the United States has been involved in, in many, many wars, conflicts, I guess. And the current one in Afghanistan, the longest in our history, 19 years in Afghanistan. Why are we still there? I mean, these kinds of wars, the war that's being waged on Yemen, the war that we're waging on Venezuela. I mean, these are the wars that I really have a problem with. And it's these kinds of wars, which I believe uh, inspired the president of our church, 
at the time, in 1976, Spencer W. Kimball, to make a, an important statement about us as a people. And uh, what he said was this, We are warlike people, easily distracted from our assignment of preparing for the coming of the Lord. When enemies rise up, we commit vast resources to the fabrication of gods and stone I'm sorry, gods of stone and steel, ships, planes, missiles, fortifications, and depend on them for protection and deliverance. When threatened, we become anti-enemy instead of pro-kingdom of God. We train a man in the art of war, call him a patriot, and thus in a manner of Satan's counterfeit of true patriotism, perverting the Lord's teaching to love your enemy. End of quote. So that's something that President Kimball said. The very year I graduated from high school, 1976, so even back then, you know, he was indicting us as a people of, of our religion to quit being such hawks. And um, it's probably worse today, Sam. I, I just believe that there's so many of us that, that that just blindly support war. Now, as evidence of that, I will say that we have five out of our six congressmen from the state of Utah, who vote for war and the continuation of the conflict over and over and over. Well, I take that back. Actually, four of the six, Ben McAdams, actually voted against more war uh, about two months ago in an important vote, which I appreciate he did. Now, Mike Lee has also voted against war, as has Rand Paul and so forth. So Mike Lee and Ben McAdams are the only two... But let's be very clear, though. Let's be very clear. Uh, Rand Paul has voted against war way more boldly, consistently, whatever you want to say, than Mike Lee by far. So Mike Lee has done a lot of good by standing against it, but he's waffled on several occasions there and and really got us into some things that, you know, you got to understand the principle and then be true to the principle is the point. And some oppose the war because they can see it for what it is, but sometimes they get duped into believing that war is the answer. In other words, war uh, is peace. And a lot of times they fall for that lie. Oh, we got to have war on the other side of the world or we can't have peace in America. And and so they fall for this lie. And oftentimes when they do, they regret it. If they uh, are true blue patriotic people just deceived versus truly criminal by nature. So you got to really highlight that point, though, um, because I don't want you to believe that Mike Lee is a complete peaceful stand with a Rand Paul and avoid foreign entanglements completely because he is not, although he has voted correctly many times, just not near as consistently. Good point, Sam. Appreciate that very much. You know, Ron Paul talked a, a great deal about this during his presidential campaigns in 2007 and 8 and again 2011 and 12 um, he promoted peace he said let's just come home you know and he even got booed on the debate stage because he said let's just come home but he says we we just marched in let's just march home and that 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 would you know there's so many reasons to to leave those conflicts alone is quit meddling in the affairs of of the uh, foreign nation. And uh, so I, I just thought it'd be appropriate to talk about that today. I mean, we it is Armistice Day. Uh, I like to think of it as Armistice Day, the end of wars. But I also want to talk about the reasons why politicians like to make war, uh, and then also why citizens like you and me ought to 
oppose war because I think it's Sam. I think it's the case that politics is downstream from culture, and that if we as a people, as a culture of people, you know, if, if our society uh, hated war the way I wish they would hate war, uh, then we then we would have politicians that wouldn't vote for war, for selling arms. I mean, we sold arms to Hitler back in the 1930s. We're and today we're we're continuing to sell arms and armaments to Saudi Arabia uh, and other countries in the Middle East, um, and and uh, you know so we need to talk about why we do that. But I just I, I wanted to preface a discussion of war with this uh, with the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, and in hopes that it would wake up you know our fellow members of this church and 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 help them to understand that war. Is, is usually not the answer, and it's almost never justifiable, especially the, the wars that we're currently uh, fighting in the Middle East and around the world. Um, so, you know, Gordon B. Hinckley, who was also president of this church, said this. He said, nearly 10 decades have passed now since my birth. He said this in his 90s, right? And for the better part of that time, there's been war among mankind in one part of the earth or another. No one can ever estimate the terrible suffering incident to these wars across the globe. Lives numbered in the millions have been lost. The terrible wounds of war have left bodies maimed and minds destroyed. Families have been left without fathers and mothers. Young people who have been recruited to fight have in many instances died, while those yet alive have had woven into the very fabric of their natures elements of hatred which will never leave them. End of quote. I mean, it's really sobering, Sam, when you think about the effects of war. I, I don't know of any other evil greater than the evil of war. Uh, when you think about all the evil that goes on in the earth, and there is more than enough than to spare. I mean, it, the, the list is endless of all the evil in the, in the world, but I think war is the greatest of all the evils that are here on this planet. And it destroys families. It destroys. I mean, it, you know, it just it, it's sad. And uh, so, with, with so many statements, and I, I have a whole list of them here, but um, all of them are quite similar in that we, you know, the church leadership is promoting peace and asking us to take responsibility for that. Um, uh, you know, John A. Widstow said he the responsibility cannot be shifted to someone else, he said. It cannot be placed upon the shoulders of Congress or Parliament or any other organization of men with governing authority. He says each individual, by the doctrine of Christ and his Church, holds in his own hands the peace of the world. That makes me responsible for the peace of the world. It makes you individually responsible for the peace of the world. So, you know, Sam, I, I don't think we can any longer blame somebody else for the war that's occurring in the world. Yes, some blame maybe, but it's really up to us. We have to pray for peace, and we have to petition Congress to quit voting for war. Uh, I don't know. Well, I agree with that. We also have to be peaceful ourselves, though, and that's kind of the interesting thing. When you started out talking about, you know, members of our church, and I would say members of other churches as well, the Christian community at large, you know, I would say, how come they are so hawkish? 
How come they believe that war is peace? And, you know, I get that you want to be grateful for and uh, congratulate or, or, you know, support those who have suffered for us and stuff like that. In other words, I get the patriotism to wave the flag and to to say, hey, we're grateful for your service and all that kind of stuff. But there's one thing to be grateful for the sacrifices made. There's another to celebrate war. And there's another to become hawkish to where you kind of believe, you know, when you hear that, you know, we've stamped out another bad guy somewhere. You kind of in our nation have this idea you almost celebrate like yeah get them and we've almost turned into we've changed my bread and circus to blood and circus let's talk more about it sam curtin lowen seconds liberty roundtable live proclaiming liberty across the land you're listening to liberty news radio USA Radio News with Wendy King. Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman is apparently on his way out at the National Security Council. He had recently testified on Capitol Hill about President Trump's phone call with the president of Ukraine. National Security Advisor Robert O'Brien tells CBS's Face the Nation, as planned, he's shrinking the council. We're streamlining the National Security Council. There are people that are detailed from different departments and agencies. My understanding is Colonel Vindman is, uh, is detailed from the Department of Defense. So... Everyone who's detailed at the NSC, people are going to start going back to their own departments and we'll bring in new folks, but we're going to get that number down. Public hearings on the impeachment inquiry begin on Wednesday. Police have fired tear gas and protesters broke windows as anti-government demonstrators took to the streets in Hong Kong once again. At least one person was shot during the protest. This is USA Radio News. When thinking about life insurance, my accident reinforced you never know what tomorrow might bring. That's why I reached out to AccuQuote. AccuQuote helps people find a life insurance policy that meets their needs. Since 1986, they've helped millions of folks save up to 60% on their life insurance by comparing the rates and features of dozens of top-rated life insurance products. A healthy 50-year-old non-smoker can buy a half a million dollars of 10-year level term for less than 45 bucks a month. A 60-year-old under 120 bucks a month. Longer or permanent terms are available. Even if you already own life insurance, you really need to check out my friends at AccuQuote. Don't worry about health issues. Remember, they help me. As a pastor, I'm concerned about your soul and helping you to make sure your family is taken care of. Life insurance is more affordable now than ever, so don't make them wish you'd made that call. 877-437-4781. Call now, 877-437-4781. 877-437-4781. policy points and availability vary by state. Bolivian President Evo Morales has announced his resignation under mounting pressure from the military and the public after his resignation victory triggered weeks of fraud allegations and deadly protests. The decision came after a day of fast-moving developments, including an offer from Morales to hold a new election. But the crisis deepened dramatically when the country's military chief went on national television to call on him to step down. Virginia Democrats chose Eileen Fillercorn to become Speaker of the House of Delegates. Charnel Herring will be its new majority leader.
The choices of filler corn and herring are historic for many reasons. Eileen Filler Corn is the first Jewish person and the first woman in the house's 400-year history to serve as speaker. Sharniel Herring will be the first woman and the first African-American to serve as majority leader. The blue wave on election night last Tuesday turned the Virginia State Legislature Democrat for the first time in over two decades. You're listening to USA Radio News. Promoting God, family, and country. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Radio. I was saying right before the pause to Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org, that sadly we've almost turned bread and circus into blood and circus, sir. Well, that's uh, an apt description, Sam, blood and circus, because that's what uh, seems to uh, keep us... uh, Entertained, although... Internationally, it's blood. At home, it's circus, sir. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, because most people don't know the blood's actually... Yeah, that's that's the whole point of this, is that, you know what? Most people don't realize, and that's part of the reason people are so hawkish, because they kind of believe uh, in their armchair quarterback, position where they just see a little bit of positive things on TV or, you know, hey, get the bad guys. They they kind of ignorantly celebrate. I'm so glad we got the bad guys. They uh, The media has packaged such a, uh, is the word homogenized, a uh, kind of a war experience to where, you know, we believe it's like safe and clean and precisioned and nobody gets hurt and there's no bad side or downside to it. Hey, we strategically or surgically remove the bad guys. And man, it's incredible just to, you know, and, and I think people kind of have that view because it's never touched their lives directly per se for most people. It's never really costed them money out of their wallets because it's all borrowed and fake money and manipulated currency. And in other words, people don't feel the realities of war, and therefore it's very easy to be hawkish in that dishonest, manipulated context, sir. Yeah, and in fact, if they experience war in their own neighborhood, you know, the de- the bombs dropping in, in our neighborhood, then, yeah, we would have a much different perspective about war and about what we do to other countries. These people in other countries, they have lives, you know, just very similar to ours. They have aspirations, hopes, and dreams. They have businesses to run. They have families to raise. Um, and the children of these families, they have high hopes of, of uh, be, becoming educated and maybe owning their own business one day and, and uh, having a family of their own. I mean, their, their hopes and dreams are not dissimilar to our own hopes and dreams, our plans, our businesses our way of life, and yet we shatter their lives with our bombs and with our uh, d- destructive force of, of war and create millions of, of refugees fleeing from their homes to other parts of the world, uh, and we, we destroy their lives, we wound them, we maim, and, and yet we don't feel their pain because we are so disconnected from them. And... Um, and so somehow we need to convey that to one another. We need to help our neighbors and friends understand the destructive force of, of war that we are currently waging. I think like the genocide in Yemen is probably the worst genocide in, in history, in our, in our current modern-day history. Um, you know, tens of thousands of people are dying from cholera and 
and uh, other infectious diseases because of the blockade on their port city, Hodeida. They can't get medical supplies. They can't get clean water. They can't get food. Yeah, in and fact, Rand so Paul they- had an incredible discussion with Wolf Blitzer about this very topic. Yes, he did, and and I wouldn't mind if if you were to play that. uh, All right, hold on. It starts now. now. We'll talk about it. At the very least, it begins the debate of whether or not we should be at war. We are refueling the Saudi bombers, so we are essentially part of the bombing campaign. We're helping them choose targets, and we are refueling the Saudi bombers that are dropping the bombs. It is said that thousands of civilians have died in Yemen because of this. Yes, we need to have a debate over this, and I don't know what the president president will do, but he ought to become, come to Congress and ask for permission. We've given him no authority to get involved in the civil war in Yemen. And we have to ask the bigger question, is this making it better or worse? Are there more refugees or less refugees? Is there more chaos or less chaos with Saudi Arabia bombing into Yemen? So yeah, it's a debate we ought to have, and no president should unilaterally have this authority without the approval of Congress. So for you, this is a moral issue, because you know there's a lot of jobs at stake. Certainly, uh, if uh, a lot of these defense contractors stop selling uh, warplanes, other sophisticated equipment to Saudi Arabia, they're gonna, there's going to be a, a, a significant loss of jobs and revenue here in the United States. That's secondary from your standpoint. Well, not only is it a moral question, it's a constitutional question. Our founding fathers very directly and specifically did not give the president the power to go to war. They gave it to Congress. So Congress needs to step up, and this is what I'm doing, stepping up and asserting our authority over foreign policy and that we need to be involved. We should not be an after the fact, oh, we'll give you a consultation. No, we should be directing the president whether he has the power to do this or not. And I do not believe he has the constitutional power to do it, nor do I think it is wise. I think we are elevating an arms race in the Middle East, and I don't think it's good for America. And I think to have millions of new refugees. Look, Saudi Arabia hadn't taken any refugees. They were part of the violence in Syria. Many of the weapons that Saudi Arabia and Qatar set into the Syrian civil war, some of those wound up in the hands of al-Qaeda and ISIS, and then refugees are streaming across the world, and Saudi Arabia foments this but didn't take any of the refugees. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. I think it highlights perfectly the problem uh, is that Congress has literally dumped their responsibility on the president. I don't know how the president's going to respond to this, but I hope we can back out of more and more and more of these wars because they are just absolutely hate-filled. And, you know, you got to ask, why do politicians love to make war? I mean, they seem to love it for some reason. Uh, Lowell's got two primary reasons, and then I've got a couple to add to the mix. Hopefully, Kurt has a couple to chime in as well. Lowell? Well, thank you, Sam. I think the first reason is profit. It's it's greed, it's money, and so forth. You know, uh, Major General uh, Smedley Butler wrote a booklet in 1935. He recognized this problem uh, that long ago. I mean, that's like 85 years ago. And, And he wrote a booklet entitled War is a Racket. For any of our listeners who have not read that little pamphlet, Please get it and read it. It's on the Internet, freely available. You can read it in an hour. And- All right. So number one really is is money, and they fill their campaign coffers with filthy lucre from uh, literally war, and then it's almost impossible to uh, stand against the military-industrial complex when, hey, uh, you know what? You're beholden to that, quote, hawkish 
viewpoint. And it's very hard for politicians not to take the money. And then it's even harder for them to stand for what is honorable and correct and peaceful. Exactly right, Sam. So the the politicians support war because their campaign coffers get filled by the corporations in the military, uh, you know, in the defense contract industry. They make campaign donations, contributions to all the the congressmen who will vote their way, you know, vote contracts their way. So it's a self-interested reason that they, you know, politicians do it. So their campaign coffers uh, get filled and uh, the corporations pay or or donate to these uh, politicians because they that brings contracts to them. Now, Lowell, I want to add, though, that I think most politicians, not all, some are just purely evil, but most of the politicians kind of think, hey, why shouldn't I take money to be patriotic and defend America? This war mentality is defending America. War over there means peace over here. Uh, the military-industrial complex really are the good guys. We celebrate it kind of every day. We wave the flag. We And I think a lot of people don't really connect the dots and understand how sinister it is. Again, they've created this sanitized or whatever you want to call it, um, war image to where I think even the average politician is guilty of just thinking, hey, why wouldn't I take money from the good guys? And I think that's where the deception falls into line. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Somehow we need to figure out how to to help politicians, you know, connect these dots. Um, And and so that's my first reason, money and greed. The second reason, and then I'm interested to, for you guys to chime in with the additional reasons. But the second reason, I believe, politicians like to make war, uh, at least those who understand this issue, is to extend and support the life of the petrodollar. What is the petrodollar, you ask? Well, that's this notion that oil uh, sold by OPEC countries can only be sold or exchanged for dollars, right? And so they tied, you know, when, the, when Nixon... Hold, uh, uh, well, detached gold. Uh, I mean, uh, what did he do? He, the gold standard of ni- in 1973, Nixon refused to um, give gold out anymore, and and, and basically said um, to those who had had claims for the gold, no longer are we going to sell it for thirty five dollars an ounce, right? So he shut the he detached the dollar from gold at that point, and we needed a new commodity to attach the dollar to. So became attached to the petrodollar when we signed that agreement in 1974, um, which uh, many of you remember the gas shortages of the 1970s. Uh, that was because Saudi Arabia put an oil embargo, and, and we didn't have enough oil coming in, and so gas prices went up. So the bottom line is the first reason, Lowell, is money. The second reason is dishonest money. And you're spot on on both of them. Ladies and gentlemen, when we come back, I'm the pitcher. Kurt Crosby is up to bat. And uh, you know what? We'll give you a couple of other reasons why politicians love to make war. Kurt Crosby, Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org, on your radio. Dad, can you make him stop? Honey, he needs to practice. He's been at it an hour. Well, just trying to be patient. Dad, it sounds like a cat calling for help or something. Worse, a basement full of cats. Yeah. You know, hon, it is a little hard on the ears. Not you, too. Well, maybe we can all play a game. Andrew, do you want to play a board game? Uh, How about we watch a video? Hide and seek? 
I don't know. I give up. Maybe we could all just sneak out of the house. Honey, he's nine years old. We can't leave him home alone. And we can make him practice with a sock. Well, I guess we'll have to get some ice cream. Did I hear someone say ice cream? Family, isn't it about time? Oh, I see. The practice hasn't hurt your ears. Well, I'm a serious musician. Funny that you never seem to get better on that thing. Works every time. From the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. Hey,、uh, where did all these cats come from? If Planned Parenthood were what they publicly declare themselves to be, they would welcome transparency. We all know why they hide, because we know what they hide. We can confirm federal judges. Who follow the Constitution rather than reverse engineer their preferred policy outcomes? The truth about abortion is spreading because of advances in medical imaging, because of brave journalists, tireless activists, compassionate doctors, nurses, and other healthcare professionals. The rising generation of young Americans is the most pro-life in decades because they know too. And one day soon, we will reaffirm our nation's principles in their dignified fullness, and avow once again that all men are created equal; all are entitled to life. Begging politicians, bureaucrats, and educrats, and all do-gooders to please obey the supreme law of the land. The Constitution. This is Liberty Roundtable. Hey, Kurt, a dear family member is wanting to know、uh, when the bacon, honey donuts are coming out. So, just thought I'd throw that out there. By the way, if you guys want raw honey delivered directly to your door, get a hold of Kurt. C U R T at LibertyRoundtable.com or dial. You can call or text eight zero one six six nine two two one one or go straight to the website and order online at local honeyman dot com. So, Kurt, you're up to bat, sir. Why do politicians? I、love to wage war, sir. Well, just before we get to that, real quick, Sam, just so you know, at least、uh, for your dear family member or、uh, anyone else,、um, we've got some marshmallow dream honey available, and we do have,、uh, and that's not on the website, but you can、uh, just make a special request.、Um, we do have the、uh, that's from a plant. Uh, that grows in Oregon called、uh, meadow foam, and so you get the、uh, marshmallow dream. Basically,、uh, when we were pouring it, I remember my wife mentioned that the whole room smelled like marshmallows. So, this this flower makes the honey, you know, taste like marshmallow. And then、uh, we do have a little raspberry in stock as well. Anyway, back to your question. I was looking up this petrodollar thing just to understand it a little bit more. James Chen writes about it at Investopedia. I think、uh, few people really understand this, but、uh, he says petrodollars are U.S. dollars paid to an oil exporting country for the sale of the commodity. Put simply, the petrodollar system is an exchange of oil for U.S. dollars between countries that buy oil and those that produce it. 
The petrodollar was the result of the oil crisis in the mid-70s. When prices spiked to record levels, it helped increase the stability of oil prices denominated in U.S. dollars. The term regained notoriety in the early part of the 2000s when oil prices rose once again. Although petrodollars initially referred primarily to money that Middle Eastern countries and members of the OPEC boys are received, the definition has broadened to include other countries in recent years. I say, uh, history of the petrodollar system. The origins of the petrodollar system go back to the Bretton Woods Agreement which replaced the gold standard with the U.S. dollar as the reserve currency. Under the agreement, the U.S. dollar was pegged to gold, while other global currencies were pegged to the U.S. dollar. But because of massive stagflation, President Nixon announced in 71 that the greenback would no longer be exchanged for gold to boost economic growth for the U.S. Anyway, uh, I just thought that might be helpful, but since... Um, well, I didn't understand all that stuff. And, you know, uh, wouldn't it be nice if we just followed the Constitution where it says, No state shall make anything but gold and silver coin a tender and payment of debts. Seems pretty simple compared to all this petrodollar gobbledygook. But anyway, uh, you know, why do politicians, uh, you know, um, basically promote war? I wish we could change the question to uh, why should statesmen even ever uh, take the U.S. into war? And the answer would be, um, if we are truly defending um, our freedoms and or defending uh, our allies, and it's truly a defense reason, not an offense reason, and not because uh, some big corporation needs to enhance their stocks uh, or some big uh, lobbyist puts a bunch of bucks into the back pockets of some, you know, corrupt politicians. None of that should be part of it. Uh, it should be, you know, I've ever won the leader, uh, a hope-for leader in the past said that, hey, if we're going to war, I will lead the Congress into battle, and we won't just send the uh, young men and women in to suffer and die for us. I will go in front of Congress, and we'll go to battle. And I think we'd have a whole lot less war in that case. Yeah, so I understand Kurt's point. It's a, ra a great point to redefine the question, and I agree. When is war justified was Kurt's uh, primary focus and point, and I think that's a real answer to the question, Lowell. Yeah, I agree. Um, that was Bo Greitz, right? They said he would be willing to lead the charge. I mean, if, if we go to war, if, if Congress declares war, he would be at the front. <clears throat> That was in uh, I I almost think President Trump would almost take up that thing and I'll bet you'd have very few in the Congress that said hmm, we'll be there with you you know yeah yeah very few yeah yeah I would say well, a I couple like of other reasons that that politicians love to go to war it does two things um, when things go good they can take credit. They can, you know, say, hey, the president did a great job and, you know, we support him. We funded it and, and they take credit. Yes, I'm with the president. Yes, 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 yes. However, when things go badly, 
or when things go sideways is another way to put it, then they can kind of say, see, the president's kind of going rogue. We, we're trying to stop him, but by golly, we can't really not fund the war that he always puts us in because the poor veterans are in harm's way. And, you know, I mean, you care about the veteran. And so they have this ability to uh, circumvent their hard answers responsibility. In other words, hey, uh, I want to take the credit when it's there and I want to, uh, you know, dodge the responsibility when it doesn't go well and i want it both ways and the best way to do that is just to kind of obliterate the separation of powers that our founders put in place and i think that oftentimes becomes the reality where it gives a politician the ability to to really do well when it's going well Uh, but yet to well blame somebody else when it doesn't go too well and say i'm doing my best in spite of it all people i'm the good guy trying to deal with our rogue president and trying to deal with the legitimate war needs and trying to care for the i'm the good guy here and the lies and the dishonesty continue i think that's one of the big reasons another big reason i think is because the people love war if the people didn't love war if the people weren't into blood and circus then the fact is it would be unpopular. Whenever they came to your district would be like, hey, how? what are you doing to get us out of this war? What are you doing to, um, you know what, find out what the will of the people is on this? Uh, but they know the people love war, and so then, you know, our congressman comes home or our senator comes home, and uh, even when the war's not going well, we say, well, we know you had to fund it, that crazy president, those poor vets, and we even praise them when it goes bad. And they love it. They know the people love war, and it's a good campaign slash election focus to say, you know what? I defend America hardcore. I'm not letting the bad guys get an upper hand on us, by golly. I'm going to. And so it goes well for them for two reasons. One, to shift blame, to take credit, but they know the people love war. And that's a sad indictment on the people. But if it weren't true, every representative would be taking a beating. Okay. And I say that because let's be very, very clear. Okay. The U.S. has been at war 93% of the time since 1776. In other words, there's only been about 25 years that we haven't been at a war with somebody. It's a staggering statistic, but if the people didn't like war, it would stop, Lowell. (laughs) So true. So those are my two highlighted reasons, sir. Yeah, I appreciate that very much. You know, one of the congressional candidates, in an email, campaign email to me, talked about you know a little bit about war, and I I I, I inferred that this candidate would would be supportive, would be a hawk, another hawk in Congress, and so I wrote back to this congressional candidate, and I I explained you know antiwar.com and and uh, the petrodollar and and several other uh, things about it. I mean, but but this can this candidate, the main reason this candidate was hawkish and supportive of the war. Well, simply because um, uh, he or she, I better not say exactly who it is, but uh, he or she thought that, well, we don't want to see um, another Hitler take over, right? I mean, so a lot of people mistakenly believe that we're involved in these wars because we don't want bad guys, tyrants, dictators, to kill people. You know, and, and, you know, I, and I feel... For them, I, I I have some of those same feelings. I don't like it when you know some dictator in some country starts killing people. But the it, we do far more damage in the long run by intervening 
Because how can we demonstrate, how can we exemplify peace when we go in there with a barrel of a gun and enforce our, our will upon a sovereign, you know, another sovereign country? And, and we say, well, you're, you're a bad guy because you've been killing your people. You torture and kill your people. You're a bad guy. We're taking you out, right? I mean, that's what people believe happens with regime change. But what instead happens, Sam and Kurt, is that these regime change operations almost always involve sanctions, where we withhold money, food, water, medical supplies, and so forth from that country, and, and we, we, we sanction other countries who try to provide those things, and it end up, ends up killing or ends up in the death of thousands, tens of thousands. Yeah, of the blowback becomes country. tremendous, to say the least, and that's why we're becoming the most hated hegemonist nation in the world uh, at this point. We need to finish. We're about out of time, and I want you to get to this, lull. Why citizens should oppose the war. We've been at war 93% of the time our country's been in existence, and ladies and gentlemen, we need to celebrate Veterans Day. In a responsible way. Why should we oppose war, Lowell? Well, number one, it's immoral. It results in the death and destruction of, of, of millions of people. And so it, 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 that, that's reason number two. Number three, it's not constitutional to be involved in a war that has not been declared by Congress. So there's a constitutional reason. There's the ethical reason. There's the, the, uh, and the humanitarian reason are the three biggest reasons I can think of that, you know, citizens should, should, uh, should not support war, why we should oppose these, these endless wars. You know, just, uh, this, this, uh, there's a Gary Barnett in Montana, whose article I found at LouRockwell.com just yesterday or today, I guess it was yesterday, and he says, he says this, quote, the costs of war are deep-seated and long-lasting. And the scars of conflict remain permanently embedded in the minds and souls of the innocent victims. Even as the pain subsides, the anger continues to fester long after the aggression has quieted. The result is a continued risk of blowback that can escalate into even more war. This vicious cycle leads to never-ending war, and that is what is sought by the warmongers and the war profiteers and those ruling elite seeking to eliminate individual sovereignty in order to gain global societal control, end of quote. And so actually that's another reason. We didn't talk about that one, Sam, so global control, right? I mean, if, if the warmongers can get us to start fighting each other and dividing, and then they can conquer, they can say, okay, we need a, a global governance body governing bodies to end these wars and so that will be their answer to end these wars and we'll end up being subservient to some global governing group like the united nations ladies and gentlemen let's celebrate veterans day or better say armistice day let's celebrate that day responsibly ladies and gentlemen let's begin to realize the untold costs of war and let's end them. Remember, we got to change our hearts, change our culture, and politics will follow. Lol, great hour. Thank you so much, sir. Godspeed. Uh, we declare we the people, along with the grace of the Almighty, we can and will restore our grand old republic. Please get involved. Make it a great day. Choose the right. Donate at libertyroundtable.com, would you please? And we declare this nation shall endure. God save the Republic of the United States of America. America.